Welcome to Hope's Garden and the Bridegroom Speaks podcast with Laura Ercolino. The book is The Flowing Light of the Godhead. But one of the points that in the introduction that she's making before you get into MacTilde's actual writings is that something that happened in Helfta, so MacTilde of Magdeburg, St. MacTilde of Hackburn, and Gertrude the Great were all in the convent at Helfta together. And one of the things that when people study them and their spirituality, one of the things that they noticed that happened in this time with these, in particular with these three women and the visions and messages they received from Jesus was this shifting from the focus being on the soul's longing for God and him beginning to reveal his heart and just how lovesick God is for us and the longing in Eros in God's heart. And that when God's heart meets our heart, like, like we talk about, that his desire is for union with us, that we were created with that capacity to hold the infinite God. And that when he meets, his heart meets our heart, his power is so overwhelming. His love is so infinite. His eros is such a force that it meets with the weakness of the human heart and just overcomes it. As the bride becomes more in union with the bridegroom, as she learns to open more and more and to open even her poverty and her weakness to him, that she becomes more and more like him, that she becomes transformed into what she loves, into whom she loves, that he fills her more and more with herself So her emptiness, her weakness, her poverty becomes filled with the infinite love of God. She becomes, like we talk about in Brides too, truly an icon of the bridegroom. And at the end, then, he has set himself as a seal on our hearts in our baptism. We became marked with that indelible seal of the Holy Trinity. And now she is asking the bridegroom to put her on his heart to be a seal on his heart, that no more would it just be that wherever she goes, he goes to, but wherever he goes, she goes with him, that they are inseparable. What God has joined together, no man, no anything may separate. This is what she wants with him. And this is what Gertrude and the two McTilds talk so beautifully and poetically about, is this inseparable union. And that while we're still here on earth in our fallen humanity, that we cannot contain the full infinity of God, but he does give us foretaste and we have the, he offers us these, these moments of consolation, of ecstasy, of union with him, but the soul can't sustain it, can't contain all of him yet. But every time that we open ourselves to that, it stretches the soul more and more so that by the time we get to heaven, we can contain the whole infinite love of God, God himself. And this is yesterday's reading was about joy and how Jesus desires for his joy to be in us and for our joy to be complete. And so one of the things he was telling me again when I was sick was that he, he wants me to continue to enter more deeply into his joy And he reminded me again that Mary is the gate to his joy. And he used that spousal analogy, that nuptial imagery 
for all of this. And it was so beautiful. At one point he was, I, I don't even know if, if showing me is the right word. I don't, I don't know how I experience it, but I, in a sense, saw the moment of the incarnation. But what he was telling me was that this was a wedding, <laughs> that Mary's womb was the wedding hall, the banquet hall, where the wedding between divinity and humanity took place, that there was nothing but joy in that moment. You know, I thought about how often when we when we think about the Annunciation and we hear a lot and we read a lot about, you know, Mary being a young woman and how frightened she must have been and confused. She didn't understand what was going on. But what the Lord was revealing to me was that her will from the moment her her conception, her will, her heart, her soul were in union with God. There was no concupiscence in her. Right. There was no effects of original sin. So she knew from the beginnings of her life, the complete joy. She was always remaining in the Trinity and the Trinity was remaining in her. And so her joy was complete. And when we look at the very next words after the Annunciation scene, after Mary says, let it be done unto me according to your word, then we're told that the angel departed from her and she departed for the hill country to visit Elizabeth. And what are her first words when she greets Elizabeth? They're words of joy and praise. There was no talk of how upset she was or how confused or afraid she was. It was all joy. It was all joy and praising God. And so when we can grow into this place by his grace, with his help, like, you know, we keep saying we can do nothing apart from him. But this is where he wants to take us to this place where despite any of our circumstances, despite what other people might think as they look in at our circumstances, how they think we should feel. He wants us to remain in him so that his joy can be complete in him. That we come to this place like Mary of complete fearless trust in the will of God. That no matter what is happening to me externally, I know that the Lord is good and that this is loving and that he was going to use it. Even if in this moment, I can't see how good can come from this. I trust in him that it will. That all of my life is in his hands and his hands are the hands of love. And then our joy can be complete. And I think this is what it means to remain in him. To remain in the truth of who he is, how he loves us. And that he has good things planned for us. That he wants our union with him. And he wants our holiness and our purification here. So that for all eternity, we can be filled with his complete joy. With the joy, not just of Jesus. Jesus is, is one person in the Trinity. Imagine the joy of Jesus tripled, <laughs> right? So we're talking about complete joy, like it's mind-blowing. We can't even imagine here what that must be like. But I think Mary wants us to help to, to see, to experience as much of it as we're capable of here on earth. She is the gate. And if you think about Mary as the mediatrix of all graces and Mary's womb as where heaven and earth were married, where humanity and divinity came together and became one, she is the gate that God chose, that God used to bring Jesus into the world, to bring heaven onto earth. And so he wants us to use her as the gate to come from earth to heaven. 
She's the gate where our humanity can marry the divinity of God. We need to go through her. To Jesus through Mary, from Jesus through Mary. And the other thing that he told me about his joy, I talk a lot about how one of, in particular, one of the wounds he's had to heal in me was this thinking that it was my suffering that consoled him, that it was only in suffering that I could be one with him. And so he's been healing that in me and untwisting it. And one of the things that he told me the other night when I was saying how Again, focusing too much on if I'm not suffering, what can I offer you? Like, how, how can I pray for people who are suffering if I'm not suffering like they are? And he told me that he does not suffer the way that we think of suffering and the way that we suffer. He does not suffer like that anymore. That he is in his, his redeemed body, his glorified body, and he is in heaven again with the Trinity. And he was telling me how the Trinity is joy, just like God is love. God is peace. God is joy. Jesus is joy. He is reality. He's truth. All words have their origin in the word of God. And we have lost the truth of the meaning of words because we try to take God out of it, out of our words. But all words began in Jesus, the word of God. And so if we want to know the true meaning of joy, of happiness, we have to look to him and ask him to help us to understand anew what these words even mean as the word of God, the wisdom and knowledge of God to teach us again the meaning of our words. And what he was saying is that the Trinity is joy and that their joy is complete because they are completely in union with one another. A reciprocal giving and receiving of love is complete joy and that they had no need for anything else. No need, you know, they were completely contained within themselves, joy and love in completeness, in wholeness. But because love begets love, because love always seeks to console the beloved, because love always is creative, they create it, all of creation, they create it, the human person, because that joy would be even more complete when it was shared. And this is what they invite us into is the sharing of love and joy. Again, Mary is our teacher, our mother, a mother who wants only the best for her children, who has lessons beyond compare to teach her children, if we will just turn to her and ask her. She knows this complete joy. She knows this life-giving mutual love. And she wants to draw us through her into this love so that we may know it too. So I really feel a call, at least for me personally, and I'll put it out there for you to all pray and discern about too. I really felt strongly that he was calling me to draw into the seven joys rosary and into the joyful mysteries of the rosary. I know I was really feeling called to just put all the other meditations aside for a while and spend some time just meditating on the joy, the joy of the Lord and the joy, how Mary experienced that joy with Jesus and their life together. Because they were here together in this fallen world, right? In this valley of tears. And yet they found complete joy. They remained in the love of God 
And he doesn't ask us to pray for things that he doesn't intend to give us, right? And he tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Reflection in the Magnificat yesterday was from St. Teresa of Calcutta about joy. And she made some, you know, just short statements too, that prayer is joy. That union is joy. And it's in prayer that we become in union, that we enter into that union with Christ is in prayer. So going to prayer, shifting for me, it's shifting that interior attitude to one of, of joy as I enter into prayer, into choosing and seeking joy in prayer instead of focusing so much on suffering in prayer <laughs> and just shifting that focus again. I think, I think he started the shifting of our conversation at the beginning of Lent when he was saying this Lent, not to focus so much on his particular physical pains that he endured, but on the love, the love that gave him the ability to endure those physical pains. He chose to endure that out of love for us, keeping his eyes focused on the joy that was set before him. And that joy that he made possible by his passion was the joy of union with all of us. For more resources and our consecration to Christ the Bridegroom, visit hopesgarden.com, the sanctuary where the spousal love of Christ the Bridegroom heals hearts, marriages, and families. You may also want to join our community powered by Mighty Networks. Download the Mighty Networks app and find us at Hope's Garden.